With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Welcome to Brewcast from Mason Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. On the show today, we've got a lot to get to coming up. A close double overtime victory against Army for the Michigan football team and a lot to unpack from that one headed into a bye week. I'm Luke Yardy, now joined by Chris Castellani and Anthony Brew, my co-host here on Brewcast. Yeah, it's going to be a great show here coming with you on Monday night, headed into Tuesday. That's when the podcast is dropping. And like Anthony said, a much needed bye week coming off. Uh, coming off the 24-21 victory over Army, double overtime. Now, I will say when we get into the game and we get into the takeaways here, I will concede that Army is not an easy opponent by any stretch of the imagination. There's a reason that, you know, they... They, they were just a couple spots outside the top 25 poll. They were receiving votes in the top 25. Uh, they were a good football team. They had the longest win streak in the country, I believe, at the time going on. So um, there, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, definitely varying opinions, just judging by uh, the, the, the pre-pod conversation between me and Anthony. We definitely have some varying opinions uh, on the offensive side of things. But first, I'll get your guys' just takeaways, overall takeaways, from the game well let me say this and i'm not gonna be i told you so guy because it's not like i'm the only person that had this army is a very good football team and i told people that all week that that spread was way too high yeah michigan still probably won by should should have won by two scores or so army's a team that if i it would be somewhat surprising if they lost at all the rest of this year when you look at their schedule, maybe they lose one game to one of the other service academies, but that's a very good football team, a very disciplined football team. And I told like anything in your brain, anything that you thought you wanted to see this weekend coming off of the opening week, mind you, it was frustrating as hell. And they have some real concerns that, that we need to discuss here, but you can throw out 
the what analytics say. You can throw out all kinds of stuff because it's such a unique offense to defend, and they they do. I mean, they they blitz or they bring pressure on literally almost every snap of the game. So it's one of those things where I knew it was had a feeling it was going to be ugly in terms of the offensive game plan. In a lot of ways, I think we saw Michigan do exactly what I thought they were going to do. I thought there was a really good chance that this was a bit of a throwback game plan in terms of, hey, let's fight their ball control with our ball, ball control. We know we have a very good offensive line, we think. We have good running backs, we think. Let's take some time off the clock. Let's go on some drives of, of our own, and let's kind of avoid what Oklahoma put themselves through by – maybe going on drives that ended too quickly or things like that. Um, the turnovers are a problem and the lack of, uh, I can't say lack of preparedness. I'm going to back off of that a little bit only because this team was ready for the triple option and defending the triple option. And I thought in terms of how you defend that and what you're supposed to do in a lot of ways, it was a perfectly called perfectly coached game by Don Brown army scored 14 points in regulation. And they were both off of turnovers that gave them short fields and that were unacceptable. So I look at this game and like, defensively, I told you all week it was going to be pass fail. They passed it with flying colors. Very pleased with what we saw out of the defense. Offensively, um, like I said, I don't have, no, this is a hot take. Everyone wants to see the new offense, speed and space and all that. And we haven't seen a lot of speed and we haven't seen a lot of space but I don't hate what the offensive approach was. The play calling, the, um, I'll call it a, a tinge of hubris in terms of, uh, hey, our guys are better than, than their guys. We're going to pick up these fourth downs. Uh, we're going to end this game on our own and not take points. That, I, I take issue with that. I understand their thinking behind it. And if it works, we're talking about how aggressive Michigan was and um, how they kind of took their destiny into their own hands. It didn't work out. They didn't execute. Mental mistakes. Shotgun blast to the foot. These are, I feel like I'm, this is deja vu from a lot of the other big game or tough game efforts that we've seen before. You come out slow. You make silly mistakes. You shoot yourself in the foot. Um, I don't know how you fix that, but it's a trend that is way too prevalent in the Jim Harbaugh era. Well, I mean, that's a very good take. Anthony, and I, I agree with a lot of what you said, and I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I'm very glad that we record these shows when they do. Uh, I was brutally disappointed uh, after the game ended on Saturday. I was disappointed as the game was going on. Um, a couple days have passed, and I, I'm still very much uh, upset by the way the offense played. I think defensively, they put their best foot forward. I think uh, they even played better than even the final score might indicate. Uh, and they really, big time, stepped up in that double overtime. That was a, a tremendous effort those last couple plays. Um, I thought what we saw offensively, from a play-calling perspective, was, and this is going to seem harsh, and I, maybe this is a take I'll come to regret, but all I can talk about is what I saw was some of the worst I've seen at any level of football. I thought the play calling on Saturday, mainly in the first half, but even in, you know, honestly, no, pretty much the whole game, 
was atrocious. Uh, I think the fact that Michigan seemed, I don't know, unable, uh, unwilling, I, I don't know what the word is, but they were two games in, and with the exception of bits and pieces of the first game, um, they were completely unable to utilize a lot of their talented skill position players. And I don't know. I, there's a lot of speculation going around about the health of Shea Patterson. I'm not sure how healthy he is. Didn't didn't seem completely healthy on Saturday. And I think that this offense has the – I still think with the right uh, personnel, the right play calling, has the ability to be explosive. I don't think there is a single excuse for running the ball 14 consecutive times. I don't think there's a single excuse for running essential for running back-to-back uh, handoffs on on third and two and then fourth and two and getting completely stuffed both times. Uh, they the only time they were in something of a rhythm was in the second half when they did open up the playbook a little bit. Ronnie Bell, give him a lot of credit after a rough first game and a rough first half of his second game, had a very good performance on Saturday. But we barely heard Collins' name. We barely heard Black's name. We barely heard uh, McCune's name and Eubanks' name. And as good of a game as Army played and as good of a football team as they are, no team in the Big Ten that I can think of right now, and maybe I'm missing one, has played a team thus far this season as good as Army. But I, I'm sorry, I just refuse to believe that Army's defensive backs were that much of lot were that locked down, and were able to shut down Michigan and prevent these guys from getting open and making plays, uh, catching passes. I have a tough time believing that. And right now, this offense has a lot to work on. Long ways to go. Not giving up on them. But there is, there are some big time question marks here. I, I totally, and before Luke, real quick, like I totally agree with that. That I believe Tariq Black and Nico Collins only had a combined like six or seven targets in the entire game. That is unacceptable. Straight up, I don't care what offensive philosophy you have. Those guys are far and away your best wide receivers right now without Donovan Peoples-Jones. And Ronnie Bell had a decent bounce-back performance. But you cannot tell me that those guys, being as as big and as athletic as they are, is not a mismatch nightmare for a team like Army. I don't buy that at all. And what what baffle, what's baffling to me is in both of these games now, we've seen the quick slants and the quick passing game, like, We've seen that work. Now, it is a little bit concerning that, I mean, those guys have to get open too. At, and they have been open at certain times, but it needs to be more consistent uh, when you're that talented. But, um, you know, like I said, I understood the offensive game plan. Don't agree, or agree with it to a certain extent, but I think that the play calling and the feel for the game, um, Josh Gaddis really struggled with that on Saturday and, and, I, that that bothers me a little bit, but I think it was also to a certain extent, if this guy is going to learn, because um, you, you don't just come out of the womb as a magnificent play caller, um, hopefully that helps him improve his feel for the game because I didn't think there was much feel there on Saturday. All right. Let, let... All right. Let me get in here on this a little bit. I'd love to join the conversation. So <laughs> sorry about that. Um, 
here's my couple of takeaways that I have in kind of piggybacking on your guys's points. You know, Anthony, you kind of brought it up about the game plan and about the ball control game. See, I so I don't just I don't agree with that. Kind of, if that was the strategy, I don't agree with it because Michigan has more talent than Army. the The only reason you would shorten a game is if you are a less talented team. Michigan shortening a game against Army, it just doesn't make sense to me. You want to be able to take it to them as much as you can because at the end of the day, you have more talent. You want as many opportunities as you can get. If they're shortening the game and you're shortening the game, the chances of, of you that's that's when those turnovers get magnified to the extreme like we saw in that first half also want to point out the the metallus play not being reviewable is absolutely ludicrous doesn't make any sense that rule maybe that changes the complexion of this game as well maybe that changes the offensive philosophy to be quite honest with you because we saw a couple of those quick slants early on and then michigan uh went away from it in a hurry now the second half is really what concerns me the play calling in the second half late really concerns me because they gave the ball to Zach Charbonnet 30 times to the tune of three yards a carry. Now, giving the ball to Zach Charbonnet 30 times a game might not be a bad idea. It's how they gave him the ball. And like Chris said, the maybe Shea Patterson is hurt. I don't know. There was a lot of opportunities for Shea to pull the ball and he didn't. I don't know if that was the play that was called or not. Now, Anthony, you wrote an article for Mason Brew talking about, you know, this wasn't the Jim Harbaugh offense. And maybe it wasn't, but if this was Josh Gaddis calling these plays, I mean, that's more concerning to me, to be quite honest with you, because Zach Charbonnet kept getting the ball inside the guards, like not even running off tackle or anything. I mean, it was there was no stretch at all, no making the defense try to play sideline to sideline. That's really what concerned me. Now there's a bye week coming up. I told you guys I was I was worried about the Army game going in, and you know all, for all the reasons that you listed, Anthony. To be quite honest with you, and I just didn't see what I wanted to see against Middle Tennessee. Now. Am I giving up on this team? Absolutely not, because I, I think the bye week is good, but they've got a real tough test when they go to Madison. And, and like Chris, I was very disappointed in this performance on the offensive side. But, man, that defense, like you said, Anthony, it really came to play. And that makes me optimistic about the defense this year, where I had a couple concerns that we talked about after the Middle Tennessee game. I, I really liked what I saw out of that defense. So there was some good, but a lot of bad coming out of this game. Yeah, and I think something that's striking to me too about um, when we talk about hammering the ball with uh, with Zach Charbonnet is that you know Michigan can say what they want about the offensive line performance, but you have three Big Ten, all Big Ten guys on the interior, and they're really not, at least on Saturday, they didn't move a ton of bodies. And I, like I said, again, I know that Army is physical and things like that, but what do you think Wisconsin is going to throw at you? What do you think that Michigan State will throw at you? Like um, Ben Bredesen, Cesar Ruiz, Mike Onwenu, um, I think they've just been okay. And in order to do what mm-hmm. they tried to do on Saturday, those guys need to be better than okay. And, and like you're starting two redshirt freshman tackles right now, you're going to have some some hiccups there. I expect that out of them. And I still think all things considered, um, you know, Ryan Hayes wasn't, nearly as good this week as he was last week. I still think he played okay. Um, Jalen Mayfield's fine. Uh, That 
to me, and even more so than and, and but like Shea Patterson is has been hurt by the way. Like he is dealing with an oblique injury. Josh Gaddis came out and told us that um, yeah. earlier on Monday. Like that had been I, that was on the TV broadcast. We knew he was hurt on the first play of the game against Middle Tennessee. Okay. To me, there there are one of two ways or one or one of two ways that this can go right now. Because what you're getting out of Shea Patterson isn't I don't think it's your biggest concern right now. I think the offensive line and those mistakes are kind of one two for me in either order. Shea Patterson, regardless of if he's healthy or not, is not giving you championship caliber football. And if if he no. they're one of two scenarios here. One agreed. He's agreed. hurt but he's not hurt enough for it to affect his performance, which is kind of what it feels like the Michigan staff believes is the case right now. Or two, that an injured Shea Patterson that is hobbled and not able to do what he can do at his best is still better than what's behind him. And I don't know which one concerns me more. I don't. I I tend to believe it's that first option. But even then, you're not getting what you need to get out of him. The reads have been slow and inconsistent. The ball has been coming out. You know, it comes out a little quicker. You've, you know, it's a quick rhythm offense and quick passing game. I know we see speed in space and people imagine guys running nine routes down the sideline and you're airing the ball out. This is a quick rhythm offense. And if the ball's not coming out quick, you have no quick rhythm. You don't even have rhythm. So, I don't know if if the injury is truly affecting him to that extent, he should not be on the field. Period. But if it it is not affecting him and he's just playing bad football, Shay, you need to kind of pull your head out of your rear end. You're a senior quarterback. You need to be better. And I know you're not a captain of the team. You are an alternate captain, whatever you want to call it. You are the quarterback of a team that is expected to go out and win the Big Ten title this year. You need to be better. You need to hold on to the football. You need to make sound reads. Everyone talked about how this was going to be an offense that was going to work around Shea Patterson because it fit his skill set, and I still think it does. But if you're not mentally processing quick enough, guess what? I can bring in someone else who may do the same thing but might actually learn from his mistakes. So I'm not going down the – I don't believe there's a quarterback controversy, but – if anyone's gonna make like if anyone's capable of pushing Patterson in these next two weeks, they had better do it. Because that ain't good en- it was hardly barely good enough against Army. It ain't gonna be good enough against Wisconsin. It won't be good enough when you go on the road at Penn State. And it's not gonna be good enough when you play those three games uh down the stretch at home. Notre Dame, Michigan State, Ohio State. And that's not to say they're gonna be seven and five on the year. I expect them to improve. Expect them to be in the mix for the Big Ten until that final week of the season. But it ain't cutting it right now, whether you're hurt or not. If you're so hurt that you can't do your job, you need to find someone that can come in and do the job. Period. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of it. I I do want to bring up just one player that I think is, and we we talked about it a little bit, but that I think continues to be underutilized here. And it really bothered me that they underutilized him on Saturday. I think Nico Collins is one of the best wide receivers in the country. And I think... He catches everything. He runs good routes. He's fast. And when Michigan utilized him on Saturday, there were three times that I could think, or actually four times I can think of. They had a 14-yard first down play. Uh, they had a big gain for, I believe it was over 20 yards, and maybe it was exactly 20. They had a pass interference call on the defense. 
And the only other time was when he was open in the end zone in the second overtime and Shea threw it into the first row. Uh, I, I, and I, so that shows to me that there is still like this whole idea of speed and space and utilizing your position players is still there. And it makes me wonder, like, I, and look, I'm as big a Shea Patterson defender as anybody, but it makes me wonder, is he the guy right now? And I think health has a big deal, a big thing to do with this. Is he the guy right now to be able to get those guys the ball? It seemed like he, Ronnie Bell was his favorite receiver on Saturday. They hooked up quite a few times. He looked good. Um, but, that yeah, they got a long ways to go here. And I think, yes, Shea was better in the second half when they finally opened the offense up a little bit. But then you get to the second overtime, and he had three open receivers and threw three really bad passes. And that, that, that was when I was really starting to question his health because those weren't throws – Really, in for the most part, those are not throws we've seen, seen Shea Patterson make. Those type of errant, you know, like rushed passes are pretty rare out of him, which makes me wonder if he's healthy. Well, as we mentioned, long season ahead. We're just two weeks in. However, Michigan has a terribly, terribly difficult schedule on the way our first episode of this football season we talked about where we felt the program was and what the expectations were when we come back on brewcast we're going to discuss if we have new expectations for this season and this program next on brewcast this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. we all carry around different stressors in life whether they be big small or anywhere in between and when we keep those bottled up it can start to affect us in a negative way therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back into Brewcast. Luke Yardy, Anthony Broom, and Chris Castellani joining you here. Coming off the victory from Army Michigan, currently sitting at 2-0. Big bye week coming up here for the Wolverines. But the question is, moving forward, how good is this Michigan team after a couple of fairly lackluster performances in the first two weeks? A couple of weeks ago, first episode of the year, uh, of the season, I should say, we talked about what the expectations were for this program this season and moving forward. And guys, I want to ask you, have those expectations changed for this season? Are your predictions different from they were three weeks ago? 
Um, I mean, I predicted this team would go 11 and one this year. Uh, yeah, I feel a little bit different about that right now. This is a nine as currently constructed. This is an eight or nine win football team period. I mean, cause you're not mm-hmm. now, now I'll say this about Wisconsin. I know it looks, it does look daunting because they've, Oh God, let's, let's say a prayer for the Chippewas, by the way, to go into Madison and lose what? 61 to zero. Yeah. Um, that was just, yeah, I didn't yeah. see any of the game. I didn't yeah, need to yeah. see any of the game. That was exactly what I thought would happen. Um, Wisconsin has scored 110 points this year and not allowed a score yet. So like they haven't been challenged all that much, but they've played two terrible football teams. Army is better than what South Florida was. And middle Tennessee is probably an eight or nine win team. Central Michigan might win two or three games this year. Like, so the level of competition is a little bit different. Yeah. And you know, with Wisconsin, the way that they play, and Don Brown even kind of said this when we talked to him on uh, on Monday, was that he's excited for a game like this because he feels like this Wisconsin's a finally team, finally a team that kind of reflects what they'll see in the Big Ten throughout the rest of the year, and they feel like they match up pretty good against them when you look at their style of play, and you know they want to run the football, and it's gonna be you know, that kind of plays a little bit more into their in Michigan's hands. Middle Tennessee was one of those, like, it's kind of an air raid type of team. And then obviously you come out and, and you play the triple option. Like Michigan, this is now it's real for Michigan. So I feel like, I feel like they're going to be pretty ready to play that game. And, and if they don't make mistakes, they still have a pretty good shot to go there and win. But, you know, with the mistake, like we just have to sit through, t- they're hundred percent on turning the ball over a lot through two games. So you kind of just have to assume right now, no, I can't pick them to go win against Wisconsin. And I obviously I can't pick them to pick the last. I, even if they looked awesome right now, I probably wouldn't right. be picking them to win the last game of the year. Um, there's a lot of work to do. And, um, you know, I know that with a new offense comes some struggles and things like that, but maybe, maybe you don't implement your entire offense this year and just use what works and, adjust to what you have, the talent you have. That's what the good one, that's what Urban Meyer did. You know, if they have two tight, good tight ends, they'd put two good tight ends on the field. If they have two quarterbacks, they'd find a way to use two quarterbacks. Like use what your personnel has. Don't try to force, force feed a system just because you want to install a new offense. If it happens to happen slowly, that's fine. Cause you look at, look at what LSU's doing right now. Like they, Joe Burrow was awesome at Texas over the weekend. Mind you, a former Ohio state quarterback, and they had three 100-yard receivers. Now, you can't tell me yeah. that Michigan's wide receiver talent isn't at least equal to what LSU has, especially when people's Jones comes back. And that's not to say you need to throw for 400 yards every week, but um, just look how much they got those guys involved. Like, and when you when you're able to get those guys involved, it opens everything else up. So, um, again, a lot of improvement needs to take place, and I, I don't think that they're so far gone that in the next week or so, they can't even just improve on two or three of the concerns that we've seen. I mean, I've got six, maybe seven things that I think that they could really improve on. And I wrote about it in the uh, Amazing Brew earlier on Monday. If they just improve one or two of those things for next week, they're going to be pretty good shape. Like those are things they need to improve on the rest of the season. So all is not lost. Like I still think for as much crap as Jim Harbaugh gets and as the staff gets and, and all that. I still think the coaching is there. Hopefully. 
I think the talent is there on both sides of the ball. I have, as far as I'm concerned, um, I have zero concerns about Don Brown's defense. Um, it almost crumbled down the stretch because it was being asked to do too much. And that's the only concern I have is that if that def- that defense will wear down, if they have to put out fires that the offense creates for them, that's my only concern for Don Brown's defense the rest of the year. So I, I feel less confident that this is a championship football team, but not enough to where I'm like, God, you know, this might only be a seven win football team and everyone needs to lose their jobs. Like I, I don't, I'm not there yet. Any objective, somewhat smart person, like it's okay to be concerned, but anyone who is like somewhat objective in their criticisms of the program has to admit that like all is not totally lost right now. There, the bar has been set pretty low. There's nowhere to, there's honestly nowhere to go, but up from here. Uh, I mean, it could go down, but I don't expect it to. Well, I, I have to throw in this caveat here, and it's a big if, but I'll say it. If the team that we saw on Saturday, and I'll even say against Middle Tennessee State, Chris, how about you? Uh, continues, uh, shows up the rest of the season, uh, this will be a 3-4 loss team. Do I think that that team will show up? No, I don't. I think they will improve. Uh, the Harbaugh's teams have gotten better. You know, they, it, it's weird. Harbaugh's teams have this weird trajectory, at least the last three years, where they get a lot better in October and then seemingly crumble in November. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen again, but we need to see a lot of improvement. Wisconsin looks really good. Yes, they played a, a very, very bad central team, um, but I've been impressed by their quarterback play. Paul Chris is a very good coach. Camp Randall is a very tough place to play and always has been. Um, uh, I, as far as expectations, uh, you know, I had them 10 and 2 at the beginning of the year. And yeah, I think those expectations have been lowered. Um, I, I think a big part of that is the inconsistencies in the quarterback play and the play calling. I thought we would see uh, some better play calling. I thought the offensive line would be a little bit better, though it hasn't been terrible. Um, I think this team will improve. I really do think that. Jim Harbaugh is uh, he's polarizing, and I think you could make a strong argument he's overrated as a coach, but he's not a bad football coach, and he has had success, and he's had success at Michigan. Not the ultimate success we want, but he's had a lot of success nonetheless, and I think they're fully aware of the mistakes uh, they made on Saturday. Harbaugh was pretty, pretty quiet after Saturday's game. I think uh, internally there was a lot of frustration there. They know that they nearly uh their their season nearly ended on saturday i mean you could call me hyperbolic but like if they lose that game they probably and even if they win out they still might not make the playoff right and they got pretty damn lucky with uh the, that interception that army threw down down near the goal line as well as the false start um so things need to start looking up i think they will Right now, if I had to make prediction about if, if they would beat Wisconsin, I don't know. I, I would say probably not based on what we've seen. But what I think we might see is a much improved Michigan team. And hopefully that's what we get going forward because things absolutely need to change. I, I This is as close as you're going to get to panic mode two weeks into the season. 
Yeah, I don't know how your expectations wouldn't have changed at this point after watching the first two weeks. This team feels a lot like 2017. Anthony and I, we had the a conversation uh, about some of these non-conference opponents and how Michigan performs. I think we even mentioned it on that first pod that I personally thought I was going to learn a lot about this Michigan team in the first two weeks, and I did. I do feel like I learned a lot about this Michigan team in the first two weeks. Uh, the defense is going to be solid, not as good as it has been probably the last three years but as Anthony said I have no concerns about it however if the offense can't get things going I am going to have a concern we saw kind of the same thing in 2017 that defense was really good the offense just couldn't sustain anything and Michigan went what eight and five that year that's kind of how I I feel this season's gonna go especially with this tough schedule coming up like I I don't know man I'm not confident that the offense is going to get a whole lot better. I understand DPJ is going to come back, but I don't know. That line has me concerned. I thought that was going to be a solid here this year. Zach Charbonnet has been better than expected, but like you guys pointed out, Shea Patterson just hasn't been good. He hasn't taken care of the ball. He's missed some throws, missed the wide open touchdown to Ronnie Bell last week. You know, maybe some of those games or some of those plays go differently, and we're talking about a, a different Michigan team. So maybe I am hitting the panic button a little bit too soon. But I, I just don't see it, man. I, I really don't, and I'm a little bit disappointed right now. And hopefully they'll, they come out of the bye and they're just a completely different offense and a completely different team. And, hey, who knows, man, because I feel like Michigan turned the corner last year against Wisconsin. We didn't know exactly what Michigan had until that Wisconsin game, and then we started buying into the hype, and they were really good the rest of the year until that November 29th game, whatever it was, you know. Uh, so maybe that will be the turning point of the season. But as of right now, my expectations have lowered significantly. Like, uh, what's that, was, that? Sorry, I was just thinking, it, it didn't Saturday's win feel like a lot of those wins from the Hoke era? Not that there were that many in the Hoke yes. era. Yes. One of those, those yes. Yes. against Akron or against Air Force where you come out of it with a victory, but you just – you just feel kind of ill when it's done. Like it, it just didn't feel deserved. You feel like you got outplayed and you feel like the future is kind of bleak. That's what it felt like to me. It you feel like you're to get some... your, you feel like you're to get your butt whooped by a lot of good teams this year. That's exactly how I felt. Um, I think to say it felt like that is a little bit disrespectful to army just cause that's fair. we yeah. know, we know that they're, they're a good football team, but mind you, like, um, no, are they? They're a fringe top twenty-five team, so they're akin to like, you know, a Maryland or a Nebraska, or you know, to a certain like maybe a tick below like what you'd see out of Michigan State and Iowa. So definitely like not an elite team by any stretch, and a team like yeah, all of those teams that I just mentioned that are better than them, I think, and concerned about well, <laughs> Michigan's well, outlook going into those games. I mean, if you look at uh, the latest AP poll and then look at like the last six games of Michigan's schedule, I believe five of the last six are against teams inside the top 20, which is insane. And that by the time that happens, um, it might not be the case. We've seen before where Maryland has, has won big games or something like that early on in the season and gone like five and seven, like when they beat Texas. But um I just go can ahead. I, can I make one one final point here? Because I know we're going to be wrapping up soon. That I wanted to touch on this, and I almost forgot about it. People who keep comparing it to the Oklahoma game last year. Okay, we get it. Oklahoma went into overtime with Army. I get it. I seen the box scores. 
Look at the box score closely. Oklahoma averaged almost nine yards of play that entire game. Michigan averaged about 5.7. Like, it was still decent for Michigan, but the difference is astronomical. Like, this Michigan team is not Oklahoma from a year ago. Like, I understand why we want to make the comparison, but it doesn't really compare. Well, and here's the thing, too, because I was one of the people – I tweeted out both box scores, and I just – I didn't say what my takeaway was. I just wanted to hear what other people's takeaways were. I'll tell you what mine was. Army took Oklahoma to the brink because Army played a near perfect Army football game. They held the ball for almost 45 minutes in, in regulation. That's insane. You look at Michigan's box score, the time of possession was was pretty close. Army played one of its worst football games in the last two or three years. And Michigan, because they couldn't get out of their own way, still had to take had had needed double overtime to beat them. That's not an endorsement of how good of a team army is. That's a you you had them more figured out than Oklahoma did and you still found a way to make it make it close. So that's not a oh well look what they did to Oklahoma. Like yeah, army's good and and what they do causes fits, but um <laughs> you know, I I didn't see the Black Knights on the field for um, 45 minutes in this game. I didn't see them score at all in the second half. Like this was again the, the the theme of the of the of all of this. Struggles and self-inflicted wounds are as synonymous with the program as the fight song, as touching the banner, as the winged helmet, as the block M. Like that is a tradition now. Get out of your own damn way and win a football game impressively that you're supposed to win. It's not enough to just scrape by. I've said this right. before. Good team. I, I said it last week. Good teams get one or two of those type of performances a year, like they had against Middle Tennessee State. Guess what? This was worse than that. So if you're a good team, you're you've used up mm-hmm. your your free passes, as far as I'm concerned. Figure it out, because this is not acceptable. And I know new offense, youth, whatever. This is year five of Jim Harbaugh. These are all of his guys. Like there are no excuses there. I don't. I don't buy any of it. And when you see some of the, like some of the people I consider to be the smarter people in this fan base have been kind of quiet since Saturday, I think it's a realization that yeah, this isn't good enough too. Yeah. I think that's a good spot to to wrap things up here because right? I think you, you put it perfectly. We have to go see it. We have to see a good performance in Madison one week from Saturday. So as we wrap it up here, I'll let you guys uh, give out where people can find you on Twitter and uh, all your other social media. Chris, I'll start with you. Oh, well, you can follow me on Twitter. That's at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. And that has all of a sudden become a hotbed for uh, all things Michigan and Detroit sports. I I guess I'm going to be doing Lions, Lions videos now. Obviously still uh, Tiger videos after every game, though that season is uh, slowly and mercifully coming to an end. Videos after every single Michigan football game, uh, instant reactions to every single Michigan football game. So please follow me there. There you'll find the link to my YouTube page as well. And if you want to see me on Instagram, you can find me there. That's Chris Castle 95. That's C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-T-L-E-9-5. Anthony, how about you? 
can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T Broom. Follow the website on Facebook uh, at Maze and Brew. Uh, on Twitter as well at Maze and Brew. Get our podcast wherever you get your shows. Um, you guys know where to find us by now. We have like forty five thousand likes on Facebook and almost thirty thousand followers on Twitter. So like, you guys know where to find us. But uh, tell your friends. Let's get that follow for all of us. How about that? And leave us a review. I need to see more reviews. I need five-star reviews. I need feedback in general. I know people listen. We get the tweets. We love you guys. Uh, tweeted us after, you know, let us know what you think too. So, um, yeah, that's my little spiel. I think people are kind of tired of hearing from me. They heard from me post-game show. I did the solo show uh, for Monday. And then, obviously, now today, you're going to get a break from me um, for a few days. And then <laughs> an interview that certainly uh, I have scheduled for us that, Certainly will not ruffle. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Gerdy, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Also make sure to follow the show page at Brewcast Show on Twitter. We like to interact with you on the Brewcast Show page as well. So like Anthony said, go leave reviews, five-star reviews preferably. But if you think the show sucked, leave a review that you know you think is appropriate. Let us know. Give us some feedback. Well, if, if you think the show sucks, tell us. Don't leave a bad review. <laughs> That's not good for us. So. That'll do it for us here today. Remember to subscribe. Leave that review for all of our shows and content where you get your podcast by searching Maze and Brew Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. And we'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of Future Brew. And we'll see you next time on Brewcast. Brewcast.